So I basically am against spoilers, although I will say that I saw Nope this weekend and I'm glad that I knew nothing about the movie going in. But if somebody were to have told me about it, it wouldn't have stopped me from watching the movie. It just was kind of nice to watch the mystery unfold. Have y'all seen this movie? No, I've been trying to avoid the uh, spoilers too. Okay, well, I'll I'll respect you. I'll respect your... your... (laughs) being afraid of spoilers. I, I get that. But my, my belief, uh, you know, shout out to Jack. This was Jack was the person who planted this in my head is that if a movie is good enough, then it doesn't matter if you spoil it or not. It's in the execution. And that's mostly on, true. But Jack, which Jack are we talking about? Oh, Jack from the perfume nationalist. Okay. This is I was what, thinking I Twitter Jack or something like that. Yeah. Know? My, my, my friend Jack, while I was combing his beard, and fucking his ass he told me that you know spoilers don't really matter <laughs> um but no i mean like I, I so i guess as i'm thinking about it too like i am sort of revising it in my head because yeah nope nope is better if you know absolutely because there's like there's what the fuck like i was literally talking to my buddy uh shermaine on the phone today shout out shermaine and i asked him if he saw it. he said yes and then he said bro you're going to have to explain to me what happened in that movie. And I was like, okay, cool. I got, cause it's that kind of movie, you know, mm. it's like Jordan Peele's weirdest. I see Jordan Peele becoming a kind of David Lynch type figure in the future. I think oh, people thought he was going to go. Uh, I think people thought he was going to go more pop because of get out and us, which are really good examples of pop filmmaking, but Nope is a, a step in a different direction. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Welcome to Agitator, everybody. My name is J. David Osborne. That's Kelby Losek. We got back on the show for the third appearance. The triple, the triple, double, quadruple. The trilogy. The trilogy. The triangle. Uh, the triangle. I'm throwing up the Illuminati sign right now. Don't bring that energy here. Don't bring that energy to this podcast, bro. Hey, it's okay. It's it's Black Illuminati. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Grant Womack is back on the show. Grant's got a book coming out that I'm putting out on Broken River. Two weeks from this recording, uh, it'll be... How does math work? 10 days from when this comes out. (laughs) No, not 10 days. Fuck. 11 Uh, 11 days. days. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So it'll be be the Friday after this one comes out. Uh, Along with David Simmons, Ghosts of East Baltimore, we got Grant's Black Gypsies coming out. And since it's me and Kelby's show, and we're both Broken River people... Uh, we get to promote whatever we want to on yeah in, in our little corner of the world. So we're going to, we talked about black gypsies last time, so we're not going to tread the same ground, but we want Grant on number one, because he blazed through the entirety of the berserk <laughs> manga in like three days is the most, like yeah. the craziest shit I've ever seen. The fucking, the, 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 fucking T- the, the THC was just coursing through his veins and he couldn't look away. It's crazy. His, his Even, red bloodshot eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I just couldn't stop reading. And I'm even caught up to the super, super new shit. So I don't even know what it's like to experience the, the old ending or whatever the hell 
people. Right. Cause yours just kept going. Yours yeah. basically like you got to a point and just kept going. Um, so we're going to be talking about berserk volumes 22 through 26. It is a part of the Hawk of the millennium or the millennium Falcon arc, which is the longest arc in berserk history. So we, we broke it up into chunks and we got the first chunk today and I continue to be blown away by the philosophical stylings of Kentaro Miura. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about with that uh, big troll battle that you guys are going to have to talk about. Like I said, cause I didn't read that shit. Um, but before that, how's everybody doing? How are you guys? Oh, pretty good. You know, it's Leo season. Feeling it is good. Leo season. You know, so what does leo what does leo season do for you i mean in general it's supposed to be like a time that you kind of like put yourself out there you don't act shy like you promote yourself you wear the clothes you want to wear you want to say i'm fucking good looking and everyone knows it that type of shit you know hell yeah that's exactly what we've been doing i've been spending and all day sharing with you all some shit that I'm not going to talk about publicly yet, but we've been making some big money moves out here. Big money moves. I mean, like, fuck it. It's, it's Leo season and I'm, I'm God. I'm a God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love the energy. Yeah. I will never, never, ever shit on anybody with that energy. I don't care. Even if you're retarded like me or Kelby, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we have the right to, to feel our oats, man. Feel your oats. Yep, I'm feeling them. I got both hands on them right now. Right Damn. now. Damn. That's crazy. Like These are Quaker oats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's good. I've been feeling that, too. I ate a piece of cursed chicken yesterday uh, that my mother-in-law gave to me. I think that she cursed the chicken because she's kind of mad at me. And she's a witch, so... Uh, she was really adamant that I eat this piece of chicken. I kept saying, no, I'm not hungry. I just ate in and out. And she's like, no, just eat one piece, one piece. And I was like, fucking goddamn fine. I'll eat one piece of chicken. And uh, I like shit green. And it was weird. It was really weird. Um, luckily, yeah. I just, I take apple cider vinegar and it. Pro tip for anybody out there. If you eat some bad food, I know people suffer through food poisoning, but there's really no reason to because you can take a shot of apple cider vinegar diluted in water. Shout out to Lucas who came back to me and was like, that burned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. You, you diluted you fucking idiot. But, but apple cider vinegar will kill all that. Shit. So I haven't really, That's true. So I took, I took my little apple cider vinegar and I was good, but still I'm on the lookout. Like this, this woman low key, just like throws little curses around you gotta be careful we don't fuck with that you gotta watch out when mexicans do it too because they're always Mm -hmm. just like hey eat this eat this and you don't think anything of it yeah it's kind of their mode right like Mm -hmm. mexicans want you to eat they get offended if you don't want to eat and so you know over the course of 18 years of my life i've well no not eight yeah almost 18 I've learned how to adapt. I'm really good in Mexican circles because I stay quiet. I laugh at everything that they say and I eat all their food. And that that's literally how you, if any guys out there who have 
a Latina girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, you want to ingratiate yourself with the family, shut up. Don't, don't say anything about yourself because they don't care. Uh, laugh at everything they say and eat all their food. You're good. You're in. This is good advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Grant, you want to, you want to go find you a Latina Leo then? That's, that's spicy, but doable. You know, I, I got a Latina Leo and uh, it's too. crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, both of you have Leos. Oh. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, that's a fun time. So. It is a fun time. We went to Dallas over the weekend. It was cool. We stopped by Anime Fest. Uh, yeah, not my scene, that? dude. Not my scene, dude. Okay, so <laughs> I like I like anime a lot. I think that this show might actually pivot a little bit more towards anime um, in the future because I, I think it's a really cool art form and I, I dig it. But the kind of so okay so first of all i walk in it says masks required so immediately i'm mm. like oh jesus mm. fucking christ i don't have no mask on me come on guys <laughs> let me in uh i have the power of jesus's blood if that's right. if that's what you're looking for so anyway for something yeah so this lady uh very kind woman had masks in her her backpack and i put it on thinking to myself you know taking masks from a strange woman's backpack is probably less sanitary than just breathing the air, but whatever. <laughs> I, I put it on. My immune system is way strong. And uh, we're kind of walking around. <laughs> and it was actually real. She was like, I'm a little uncomfortable. And it's because, you know, you're walking through this thing and there's furries and there's like just huge posters of big titty anime chicks everywhere and guys who weigh 300 pounds, balding, like selling you know, fucking animal hentai pictures that they're drawing. And I'm like, yeah, this is a bit of a weird scene to be. I thought this was going to be, I thought there was going to be like vendor tables. I was, I came with like 200 bucks to buy, like if I could find a, like a guts statue or something, oh, you shit. know, like that's, that's kind of what I had in mind. It was like trying to find a, like a guts how, figure. Or how different like is it from like Comic-Con? you know because i I mean no it's the same thing it's the same thing and i'm i'm like i'm overselling the pervy angle of it because the other half of it that wasn't cool uh for me was that it was like mostly teenagers like kids oh like all into anime and like but they're into different kinds of anime than me you know so this wasn't like the the berserk dragon ball z lane convention this was like some shit i didn't know the name of it most of it was like stuff that took place in high school and you know the kids were dressed some of the kids had really cool costumes there was a like a neon genesis evangelion click their costumes were on point and uh i don't know i saw some like i think they might have been dark souls characters but i couldn't be sure but like you know big gut swords and stuff i just said swords swords (laughs) swords but I mean, so like, so they're having fun and I'm all about children having fun, but I get self-conscious, bro. When I'm a grown man surrounded by kids and perverts, you know, no, I it just, get it. It was a weird mix. <laughs> so we bounced after like 15 minutes. We were like, yeah, this isn't for us. Damn. So that's totally different than like when it, when it was brought up and it's in Dallas, I got confused. It was Akon that I had been to before. Right. Uh, spelled with a K, just like the scene. I've seen too. that, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that shit is. Convict. Oh, that music. was one enormous party. Like, 
they had grindhouse theater they had j-pop uh live performances uh a lot of cool anime but of course when i went i was actually like probably 16 so that sounds lit though i mean like that sounds yeah, like sound what like i was ex- yeah that's what i was expecting i was thinking it was going to be that but it was i don't know i, I you know I, it just wasn't for me i'm not gonna shit on it because those kids like it was actually kind of cool to see like there was some uh there was like a dad like a buff dad right he had a shirt with no sleeves on his muscles were looking nice and he was there with his son who was maybe 10 or 11 had his hair dyed green i think he was supposed to be a character from one piece or something like that and his dad like as they passed his dad was like oh go over there i think they got some one piece stuff so that was cool right i mean it was cool to see like parents interacting like with their kids and taking them to this but it was much more of a i don't know it was a very strange balance between it being like a daycare but then also uh uh there's like after dark panels where they talk about how to write yaoi and shit right i saw like one panel it was called making boys kiss for fun and profit uh you know <laughs> gay, gay erotica anime and i was like I, do you see what i mean how that's just a we- it's it's two yeah. weird things yeah. kind of smushed up together like if you were to have a like it's weird to have like a blues clues convention mixed in with like, you know, showtime after dark convention. (laughs) It's just a strange vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Sesame street and true blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. That's a better, that's a better comparison. Right. Cause it's like, it's not like there was hardcore porn anywhere, but there was some shit. Like, I don't know why, but my, I get so skeeved out when I see, furry drawings and furries in general sorry to all the furry listeners do your thing live your truth that's fine but there's something um extraordinarily disturbing to me about your lifestyle that i i just can't uh, <laughs> i just can't get over it right? that will always cup be of tea. Yeah. It's not a cup of tea that's correct yeah there's too much hair in that tea yeah too much too much hair and like jizz i just i just when i learned that they fuck in the outfits it made them like, I don't even want to get close to them. Cause like, I don't know if they get that shit dry cleaned. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I knew this couple in the Navy that uh, they put on dinosaur furry outfits during sex and they would make dinosaur sounds and roar at each other. And they told everybody this like proudly. And I was just I'd like, keep okay. that to myself. I yeah. I was like, myself. okay. It's, okay. <laughs> you know it makes sense you know if i was a dinosaur i'd be a t-rex kelby would be one of those little guys from the lost world you know what i'm talking about the oh yeah ones. the ones that like uh, eat the chick on the beach at the beginning mm-hmm. yeah yeah that'd I be, that'd be that. mm-hmm. and grant would be grant would be a big old brontosaurus I see myself being a brontosaurus yeah you know, yeah because he's he's just trying to yeah he's just trying to get that get that leaf Get the yeah. leaf. Yeah. Yep, nailed it. Boom. Exactly. Uh, yeah, dressing people in the military are all freaks. They, uh, I used to know. Well, my dad was in the military. I don't even get into all that. Um, <laughs> but even like my friends, like my like my one of my buddies. He one time he I was at his house. He's like, you want to see something crazy? I was like, fuck yeah, cool. And I thought he was gonna show me like something normal, like an execution video or something. Right. And he like 
he goes to his parents' room, opens up the drawer, and takes out Polaroid photos of his mom and dad fucking. He's like, isn't that crazy? I was like, I was just like, I don't think you should touch that. That's... <laughs> <laughs> savages oh. though full of sad the military's full of sad grant knows you were in it yeah yeah it's a, it's a crazy world you know mm-hmm. so grant's a freak yeah yeah are you are you a freak i would say uh depends occasion depends you know depends on the it's situation like, yeah the i'm a freak man sometimes sometimes i even eat pussy sometimes bro sometimes sometimes Sometimes. in the middle of it she turns around turns around does a different position (laughs) (laughs) oh man was there any crazy oh there was some crazy sex in these volumes there was some crazy uh control rape there was some crazy rape (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I was like, wow. As soon as I saw the troll first thing, I was like, that troll's raping somebody. Because <laughs> you, you just know it's ugly. It's got a phallic looking head. Uh, it's it's gross looking. So you're like, I know. Like, Miura cannot escape the, it's the, true. the, hent, the hentai <laughs> trappings. I think it makes it better, personally. I think it and, makes it better, too. I was like, oh, shit. He, they're fucking the shit out of the village women yeah yep yep you see they're dangling dangling dick and balls and i'm always kind of like because it's not it's not well it's pretty explicit but it's not so explicit so i'm like is this really is this what's happening and then you see the little animation of it going like (laughs) and i'm like oh right you know sometimes the women look like they're enjoying it from time that's a thing yeah that's we talked about that that's part of the tradition of japanese art it starts with the fisherman's wife that classic painting from the i think the 16th century it's pretty fucking old of a woman with like a squid on her pussy and the squid's like looking at her all crazy like yeah bitch you love this shit um (laughs) but yeah the the tentacles are like flicking her nipples and shit like so there's i don't know where it comes from i'm sure a scholar somewhere who's probably really good at parties you know investigated all this shit and knows exactly where it comes from but there's a in like Uratsuki doji or wicked city or you know any of this kind of tentacle porn hentai the 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 key the underlying thing is that you know a woman's being raped by a multi-armed tentacle beast but she's kind of like damn this shit is just low-key fire this is low-key fire. <laughs> I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm never going to tell anybody, but I'm going to pretend like I'm retarded like Casca. But low-key. I love the um, sound effects that they have for her. All, like the most common they one are is that. funny. <laughs> that A-O-U-U. <laughs> She's chasing a butterfly. You know? <laughs> yeah, and she turns into she turns into Tim Allen. <laughs> Home improvement. <laughs> so you know, she's still a bad bitch, you know. Yeah, and Kentaro likes to repeatedly remind you of that because she's probably naked in these few volumes uh more than the entire series up to this point. Right, he's trying to turn you on because Guts is wrestling with how turned on he is by by her, right? 
Yeah, because he's because he's yeah. got the he's got that dog in him now. He does have that dog in him <laughs> with the uh, suit, you know. I'm just a dog. Don't blame me. Uh, yeah, no, I I really felt like really sad for him. Like that first couple of there's like a couple moments where the dog comes out and he gets scared because he like attacks her, but he's like, it is his lover who went, yeah. you know, but she went retarded. And so she's like a child now. And, um, you know, obviously he's got these like pent up sexual frustrations and everything. And every time like she dumbly like slips out of her robe or something and he sees some, she has a little nip slip. He's like, oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, he loses his shit. You know? <laughs> Dude, I related to that because that'd be me. That's just straight up me. I would feel the same <laughs> way, though, too. You know? When I see a little boob, when I see a little boob coming out, I'm just like, God damn it. Why do I have this fucking kid? <laughs> yeah, especially he's been holding himself back for who knows how long. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be good uh, for the listeners to sort of set the stage. If you want to understand the continuing story of Berserk as, as dictated by myself and Kelby and now two different guests, um, you can go back to those episodes. You can find them. There's only 54 episodes in the show. You can scroll a little bit. 42 was the conviction arc. And episode 25 was the golden age. And episode 25 was the golden age. Uh, so we are basically, we have our band of heroes and, uh, Miura, I think very quickly and deftly gets them all together. He doesn't waste a lot of time, but I think that that is facilitated by the fact that guts is such a, whatever character, like his character isn't whatever, but he says whatever a lot. So (laughs) It's basically somebody, you know, the, they were enemies. It's like, hey, you know, I tried to kill you, but can I join? And Gus is like, I don't, I don't fucking care. Whatever, dude. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> they get them all together. And long story short, for, for this particular arc that we're talking about, the arc within the arc, they, uh, they set out to find safe haven because Guts and Casca have the brand of sacrifice, meaning every night demons try to kill them. So they're looking for safe haven in the elf world with their with Puck kind of trying to take them there. And they get sidetracked. They find a witch in the forest who sends them on a quest to rid a village of some troublesome trolls. But uh yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Y'all can y'all can go from there. But that's that's the that's the basic plot right now. Grant, what do you think about the return of of griffith like how like how he comes back in this form and what uh, what he sort of symbolizes to you what do, what do you what's your take on griffith in this section i think it was cool um you know griffith comes back you know naked in human form with his boy zod you know, the hairy beast with the horns. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't really thought that deeply into it to tell you guys the truth. <laughs> but uh, Griffith, yeah, I mean, I it was kind of like foretold by all these dreams everyone's having of the falcon and 
obviously he comes back and you kind of know it's foreshadowed much earlier on when he goes to uh what the hell is that space called with all like the demon gods and all that um is is there a name for it with for the god hand realm uh oh well they they talk about it it's the it's the astral plane basically oh, the astral plane yeah i think when they're in the <laughs> astral plane that definitely foreshadows kind of like this isn't the end obviously griffith he's had this dream of start beginning his own kingdom it wasn't exactly achieved you think it's done he's just gonna be floating around the astral realm i don't know fucking that one bitch in the astral <laughs> realm and uh doing bad things but obviously he's a little bit more ambitious than some of these other ones and uh finds his way back uh i don't know i just thought it was cool you know the way he comes back i mean we obviously need that conflict for guts because that whole storyline is kind of unresolved because it's kind of like he's just floating around with uh casca and you know what are they gonna do yeah i think that the return of griffith was really well done i like that he looks the way that he used to look that he has a new human form but they explained that it's a human form that's made out of astral particles so he's still um He's basically, it's, it's put forward that he's essentially unkillable. And what he's ends up happening- the second coming of Jesus Christ. Basically, yeah, 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 yeah basically, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he basically is. And, I, and I, I love that element. I want to talk about that, right? So he gets the, these badass warriors who all go and find him, uh, who are, you know, like the baddest motherfuckers in the land. And he starts taking out- armies of this occupying force called the kushan which is like this kind of arabic arabs always get the short end whether it's western or japanese they're like who do the who do the savage bad guys have to be let's get the muslim people but they're Um, more like a genghis khan kind of uh, force oh good point that's a really good point see that was me that was my racism actually imposing islam on these people because i was like oh they look like uh you know Jafar. But Jafar. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but so, but I, I, so Grant, you might know, you know, you, well, you, it's not, you might, you do know more because you read the whole thing. So for this one time, I'm going to break my anti anti spoiler rule. Cause I don't, I don't want you to tell me, but they start setting up this interesting moral conflict where Griffith is completely self-absorbed. He is true will incarnate he wants to have his own kingdom and he'll do anything that he can to get it including kill all of his friends rape his his best friend uh you know make her stupid you know all this kind of shit but like but i i think it's interesting because he's going through and he's kind of taking out these invading armies that are hurting people and a lot of a lot of the village people look at him as a savior and so I'm hoping that Miura keeps that dynamic going where it becomes really complicated, right? Like how do you square the idea that this person has done horrible things all in self-interest and then the, the runoff effect of that, the secondary effect was that he actually makes life better for everybody. That would be really tough because then Guts would be 
in the position of being like, fuck that. I'm taking my revenge. I don't care. Like, I don't care whose life gets fucked up, which kind of in a weird way doesn't make him any better than Griffith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting. I feel like guts embodies principle though. And like it is proven in these volumes too. Whereas like before it was like, I kind of expected guts to be more reckless and not like I was surprised. And a lot of the characters are surprised too constantly. They're like, wait for real i didn't expect that from guts but like he slows down in these volumes and is like trying to learn how to wield his sword and like with people at his back like he can't he can't swing it like a wild man because he's surrounded by people that he has to care for that he takes on the responsibility to like he's like no i'm not leaving casca this time that's not happening again. Last time that happened, it was really bad. Like, you know, I had to fucking call it the God hand got called down again and the whole fucking <laughs> kingdom got destroyed because, you know, she fell into this witch coven that was being burned by these apostles. And so like, uh, he's like, nah, you're not leaving my side ever again. And he's still on this revenge path but now he's got to like take care of this family unit because he also you know adds on Isidro the little the little thief dude scoundrel uh he's got Puck with him still he's got Lady Lady Fernice and uh uh what's his name Sicario Serpico Serpico oh yeah 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 yeah, so they're like this family unit now and he you know it's like his band of the hawk again that he gets to he gets to have but he's got to take care of them and so it does something to him where like he's he's not gonna be grip because griffith is just gonna like he he wouldn't do that he wouldn't slow down for anybody like you know what i mean he's not gonna let anybody trip him up and guts is like I, f- I feel like guts from the beginning has always been like, I'm going to figure out how to balance. Like I have to maintain my humanity, embrace the demon as much like when I need to. And however I, I- I'm going to swing at my goal. I'm going to swing at it as hard as I can, but I have to, I can't let this, this other shit go. Like I can't let my humanity, yeah. I can't let my love for my family go. I'm not going yeah. to it makes it harder. I've experienced that as a new father where it's basically, I can let my creative prospects, my job, I can let all that fall by the wayside to 100%, you know, care about Gus. Uh, Or I could be like a deadbeat dad and not pay attention to him at all and just focus on my own shit. But I'm taking the guts path of like stubbornly, sometimes to my own mental and physical detriment, just being like, no, fuck that. I'm doing both yeah 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 i can see that i mean definitely i love the maturity of guts it's kind of like he doesn't stay stagnant he definitely evolves into basically like a father figure 
and uh, has to cultivate that sense of restraint and self-discipline, which he didn't have to worry about in his youth, per se, you know, because it's kind of like, if I die, I die, you know, but if I die this time, everyone else is going to fucking die, so, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, like, the arc of, like, Guts has had a dramatic arc up to this point that is kind of, like, really slowly unraveled when you you think about Guts as such an archetypal character that, and he's so like into like ingrained in culture and pop culture that like everybody, everybody knows Guts even who doesn't know anything about Berserk and kind of gets the idea of what he represents. But when you look back, he's had a lot of evolution over the course of this series, like where he didn't trust anybody and was like fuck everything and then to be in more like this empathetic character but who, but this like reckless like badass but even before he became the reckless badass he sucked like he was he not did. he was not a good swordsman starting out he was terrible he just was relentless like he wouldn't <laughs> stop fighting even though he fucking sucked like so he's had like a lot of evolution up to this point of being like, yeah, like that father figure who has a demon inside of him. And I relate to that big time because oh, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm an aging, fairly young, still bipolar father with a lot of ambition. So like, I'm getting older, but I've got this demon in me, but I got this family that needs me. So you're like guts. So you just you just don't sleep. That's the whole thing about guts that I think Mira renders so perfectly is that he becomes exhausted because the answer to how he does all of this at once is that he just doesn't ever sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's and that's some real shit. Right? It's like you actually can do both, but you can't do that and sleep at the same time. And I like what Kelby pointed out about him not being good at first and just swinging his sword and getting good through experience because one of the major life lessons, philosophical tidbits I picked up from this read through was he's training Isidro to be a swordsman, right? Cause that's kind of his deal with this kid is like, you know, you helped me. So now I'll, I'll train you in the ways. And Isidro kind of expects that he's going to get a teacher who's going to, you know, make him meditate under a fucking apple tree for three hours <laughs> and, you know, like kind of be a Yoda sensei type guy. <clears throat> and Guts is just straight up showing him like, here's the, here are the techniques. Like, here's, here's what you do. And Isidro keeps saying like, but aren't you going to like lay some kind of foundation here? Kind of teach me how to, how to do this. And he's like, no, no. He's like, you'll, the only way you're really going to learn is through doing it. So I'm just going to teach you the good shit. And then you're going to yeah. go out there and fight and you'll, you'll find this shit out for yourself. And I was like, that is so, that's applicable to life. It's applicable to writing. It's applicable to relationships. It's, just, you know, you can read and study. And some people get caught in this. Some people are fucking students until they're dead right? They're like old people who are like, yeah, I'm studying with my guru. It's like, bro, studying what? You're about to die. Like go out there and just swing the sword. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that that can apply like big time to any kind of creative field where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm studying by the master or whenever I'm good enough, I'm going to this or that. It's like, just do it now. Work with what you got. I actually saved that little lecture that he gives him. Like I screenshotted that panel because it was just, it was great. Like he tells him like this is the quote when he brings it up, when he's like, uh, when a Cedro is asking him, like, you aren't I supposed to like practice more or whatever? Guts is like, well, for starters, you won't get anywhere imitating me, right? Everything about us is different, including fighting styles. Or do you want to, or do you plan to wait and train for decades to become some master before going out to the battlefield? Talk about patient. And the kid's like, you bet your ass I don't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was good shit. Cause I mean, even that his teaching style, like Guts' teaching style, I feel like it mirrors his kind of like quasi dad. He kills when he's like much younger, and they used to go out into battle, and he would just sort of have to survive and learn, you know, straight up through experience, and not all this. Let's take a class and step one, step two type of method <clears throat> yeah that's the uh that's the broken river way really yeah <laughs> it is the brb way yeah it's the brb way and uh he mentions during that speech to isidro he's like when you're on a battlefield there's going to be bombs going off and arrows flying everywhere and you're gonna you know if you're really you know, talented master swordsman who makes a big spectacle of yourself. It's not unheard of for people to gang up on you and kill you just for the clout, you know? So there's really no point. And that's what I found with, uh, with broken river is that one of broken rivers uh, strengths is that <laughs> like Kelby said, I learn as I go along, but I adapt and, and, and develop. And I don't, uh, I never present myself as anything other than completely retarded. You know, like I don't, I tell my authors this grant can attest to this. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but we're going to, we're going to make something, we're going to make something cool. It's true. It's true. And it (laughs) does turn out to be something badass. It's just, you guys don't really see all the sword swinging, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out to be badass and 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 people will see the end result and <clears throat> they think to themselves, damn, if that guy could just like not say fucked up shit on the internet, man, Broken River would be, would be huge. <laughs> but I can't I can't. I can't it's my you know, it's my Achilles heel. So, you know, that's just part you of know, swinging the sword. Sometimes there's just collateral damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm authentic or not. I really don't. I don't know if authenticity is uh, is even a real thing because we're so colonized by the internet and Twitter and this kind of shadow shadow self that we're projecting at all times. I have some pretty dark nights of the soul where I'm like, who am I? Right. And then it just turns, it just turns out that I'm just JDO. I'm just a a guy. The one and only. The one and only one and fucking only what what did you guys think about the uh the demon baby you know demon offspring of guts and casca being inside of griffith it's his heart right isn't that it yeah that's his heart 
yeah. it's kind of like the only sort of feeling or sense sliver mm. of emotion or Ooh. humanity he has left i like that i like that interpretation that's good yeah, i didn't think about that yeah because she has she has the baby at one point or she gives birth to the sort of like hills have eyes fetus uh in, in the previous fall in the conviction arc which we talked about back then but it disappears by by daylight because it's not a human it's not a fully human baby and it exists on the astral plane and the revelation that that is griffith's heart is like i knew there was going to be something else with that baby down the line and yeah you know what, what a fucking amazing conceit it is to have the arch villain, the main nemesis to the, the character, have that character's child as his heart. That's like uh that's like that movie Dragonheart. You remember that shit? Where um <clears throat> you guys ever seen Dragonheart? Is that uh the Sean Connery? I probably have. Yeah, so it's Sean Connery and he he plays the dragon. He, his voice is the dragon, <laughs> but like basically uh, this prince at the beginning of the movie, this prince gets hit with a sword or an arrow or something, and the prince is going to die. And the kingdom asks this big dragon, like, can you, can you save this dude? And um, the dragon says, yeah, sure. He, he can take a piece of my heart. But what that does is that it inextricably links the dragon to the prince. So the prince turns into a little, you know, Prince Joffrey, like he's insane. He's played by David Thewlis from uh, Naked. It's uh, like one of the best actors, definitely a goat, but he's a, a crazy villain, right? Who is, who's destroying the country with his like crazy, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Who is that crazy Roman emperor? Uh, 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 not uh, Marcus Aurelius. But, no, no, no. The, the, um, the crazy one, the one the that life. Seneca trained, the one who Seneca trained, who ended up becoming like, the, the 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 bloodiest emperor ever yeah. the fuck is that guy's name hold on we're gonna pause the show because i'm gonna look this shit up <laughs> we gotta I'm sound we gotta sound like we know what we're talking about here bloody yeah if we if we had a studio we'd have one of those people who look up everything caligula caligula oh yeah, yeah yeah right 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 so so this guy this guy in dragonheart he becomes a caligula type figure and uh, Dennis Quaid's character is tasked with like, I guess, kind of like saving the kingdom, which means killing the king. But he befriends this this nice, kindly dragon who will die if the if the king dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked up. Uh, that movie was in '96. I'm pretty sure I saw it, but I had that shit like, on VHS. That was one of my favorite movies. That was one of my yeah. favorite movies. It was so dope. It had like knights fighting and like a drag. It was so sick. It was such a cool movie. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was 10 or 11. So I don't know if it holds up, but I'm just going to yeah. pretend like it does. I'm surprised they made a sequel and, uh, you know, a third movie as well. I don't know shit about the sequels. I do not fuck with that shit. I'm a dragon heart purist. <laughs> dragon heart purist. Only the it's first like one a, counts. It's a never ending story purist. Exactly. That's I a, actually fuck. I fucked with the never ending story two and three. I think that all three are actually really good. I but, mess with them too. Because part three has Jack Black. 
rare young Jack Black role as the bully. Um, it's uh-huh. good. <laughs> and the free Willy kid mm-hmm. who pulls some uh, Bruce Lee moves at the end. Yep. What were we talking about? Oh, the heart. <laughs> right. The heart. Yeah, the heart. The heart. So anyway, that's a, that's a really good conceit, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you can see all the... I mean, he's he's laying the foundation for this to be a really difficult thing for guts to confront, not just in terms of like how badass Griffith is, how maybe unbeatable he is, uh, how evil he is. If you want to go that way, I know a lot of people have their own interpretations of Griffith and are more like Griffith, you know, or associate with Griffith. I'm really interested in those takes on this, but like any way you want to spin it, he's also laying a lot of foundation for it to be a difficult like confrontation if he ever gets to it because he has the like some kind of essence of Casca inside of him uh, that is like part of his, his being now. And he's doing a lot of good not on purpose necessarily not like he gives a shit but he's he's this sort of christ-like antichrist figure and so what that makes guts coming (laughs) you know if you're say say you didn't know that jesus did some wild fuck shit before he started before he basically saved all of humanity exactly right you know you didn't know. And those parts are missing from the Bible, dog. Like they don't want us to know. Like, so like the, the Romans, the Romans who crucified him. If we heard the whole story, we'd be like, fuck, nail that motherfucker to the tree. Right. He's, <laughs> he's, he's done. He's, he's wild. But we, we, we don't get that part of the story. We get the, you know, the, the, the total hero part. That's an interesting concept. What it I know I know y'all gotta have a lot of we're all we're all like practicing, you know, uh uh I'm trying to think of a word that's not real gay, but like magicians, dabblers in the occult and whatever, you know. Um how'd y'all feel about the portrayal of magic in these volumes? Cause okay, what happens is one of the people that he comes across that they're actually saved by in the woods uh, is a witch. And the story takes on a much more Dungeons and Dragons fairy tale like uh, tone with her addition to the cast. Well, first of all, this is a magic podcast. Shout out to Ren Collier on the Soapbox podcast. He said that me and you, Kelby, on this show are actually more thelemically knowledgeable than most actual thelemites, which is the, you know, that's the Crowley, I don't know, religion or whatever. It's all about true will and shit like that. Hell yeah, yeah. we are. So shout out to him. <laughs> And I, I think we achieve that by being like just dumb as fuck and <laughs> just just being these guys that you wind up and point in a direction and we say, okay, yeah, I guess that's where we're going now. But as magic experts, right? Complete mm-hmm. pros, 
nothing left to learn. Um, I would say that I think Mira's depiction of magic is startlingly accurate. Like, actually, yeah. like I, I really feel like that's that's how that shit works because it it <clears throat> he doesn't take the cop out of it being unexplained. He actually explains how the magic system works, and it is all in these characters' heads, essentially. Like you have to imagine stuff for it to become true. And uh, that's just real. That's just how reality works. Yeah, I think I definitely love that aspect because obviously you guys know I fuck with the occult magic. I have the damn magician card tatted on me. So all about manifestation, all that good shit. But anyway, um, they definitely, I feel like he definitely read some books or did a little bit of research or talked to someone or if not he may practice some magic you know even for this to be this successful but i feel like all the witches when they're trying to kind of like do spell work or do protection magic it's kind of like they have to concentrate keep their intentions focused and pure if you get like physically hit it breaks your concentration it breaks the spell it breaks the density and the matter of what they're projecting or what they're doing um so i love it i definitely thought it was great because i was a little worried it was going to be some cheesy like you know they just say hocus pocus or you know mm-hmm. some words mm-hmm. and some badass shit was gonna yeah happen. he he masks what the witch says with a little bit of like mumbling or whatever but he throws in like barbarous names into the text you know yeah. Yeah. like some real magic shit so it's <laughs> so it's like yeah he definitely did his research i like that you bring up uh whether or not he did some work to get berserk to be as famous as it is and i was telling kelby this but i think that mira does understand magic very well and that uh my my pet theory is that he made a deal it's like do you want to write one of the best books of all time and and make something that is a lasting cultural artifact and he was like yeah and then the demon said okay you can do that but you'll never see it finished right that's what i think the deal was I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, people work with deities and entities all the time and make certain deals or offerings in exchange for a result or outcome, you know? I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking personally, like, maybe he was out here burning sigils and, you know. Well, think about it this way, bro. Think about it this way. Okay, so like, so he wrote something. It's the only thing really of note that he did. It was his whole life. So the deal is, do you want to be Kentaro Miura, unknown, nobody, whatever, or do you want to be Kentaro Miura, the guy who wrote Berserk, one of the best books, never mind manga, of all time? And so he says, you know, like, uh, yeah, sure. And then, as Kelby pointed out in the last episode that we talked about this, like the actual depiction of God in, in the, the manga is a giant heart. It's a big heart thing. How did Kentaro Miura die? His heart split apart. Mm-hmm. So poetically, I like that interpretation. It was a nice poetic uh, 
interpretation. Mm -hmm. There's also a reminder in the final battle, the climactic battle of this part of the arc, which is where, which is up to the point where Guts finally gets the Berserker armor that is in all of the like high dollar badass statues that are sold. Um, he is pointed out by the demon army as the sacrifice. They're like, that's the sacrifice of Griffith, you know? And, but obviously he's still, you know, he wasn't a successful sacrifice and he's still fighting and everything. And I wonder if this be getting closer to the end of Kentaro's days with it, uh, well, on earth or with Berserk, um, he is kind of pointing at himself. It's like, that's the sacrifice. And, and in Kentaro's world of this little pet theory, it's like, you know, God is reminding him like, hey, motherfucker, you're mine, remember? Like, you're not going to be telling this story forever. Yeah, that, that's plausible too. All this makes me think. Because then I'm like, they were both like, I was watching some videos about how there's some theories on Guts and Griffith being modeled after his childhood friendship with uh, old boy who's taking the reins over right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do wonder if that was kind of like, you know, like through art, you could manifest things. So I wonder if he did kind of like manifest his own death through this book you know could have it's the scary thing about playing with these kind of forces yeah that i 100 percent believe and we brought up the grant morrison invisibles connection yeah yeah and grant kind of backed off to and to his credit i don't blame him it's it's a little scary he said that you know i, I stopped putting myself into the book that much but if miura didn't stop because he's guts and he doesn't care. like the name of the book is called berserk which comes from viking warriors who would take mushrooms and they were like they're like kamikaze pilots right like they're just going in there to go crazy and die it it all starts to get a little creepy right like the it book does, is yeah. called kamikaze right the the book is a a final you know to the death hail mary of of greatness We're getting, we're getting deep here. Which, would you guys do it? Would you do it? I don't know if I would do it. I don't know if I would do that shit. It's tough. I don't know, maybe. It would depend on what part of my life I started doing, like, you know, riding a berserk and coming Because now I got my son, it. you know? Now I got yeah, because you'd have I to think it. about your family and other people, yeah. you know, you can't I mean, just... he'd be set. If I made berserk, he'd be set. Uh, yeah. Kentaro Miura, by the way, did not have any children uh, or wives or anything. He was very monastic in his pursuit of doing this one thing, which is kind of wow. like, I feel like, you know, you don't have to live your life that way, but I like having, I would put him as kind of like a, a saint figure. I don't know anything about his personal life, but that's not important. But somebody who's that committed to the one thing who, who basically was so, I think what resonates with people about berserk is not just the lessons that it teaches but this kind of 
unspoken free-floating idea that the creator was living that kind of guts life you know like he was singularly focused he was just swinging the sword until his heart exploded well it didn't explode the valves yeah. apart, but you know <laughs> same 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 difference in, in an explosive fashion in an explosive fashion yeah very instantaneous by the way in a weird way you know aortic dissection is a it's kind of a merciful way to go because i think you die in in seconds right like you're just you're just done for the most part uh actually that's not true i know somebody who had an aortic dissection and they lived and she yeah so, she lived she lived we'll, we'll yeah. get a heart doctor on a future episode fuck no no doctors on this program <laughs> nope we'll get a heart shaman our heart shaman fuck yeah we'll talk about You're the right, electromagnetic heart shaman field of the, of the heart i don't mind talking about the electromagnetic field of the heart i don't want to hear a heart doctor say shit <laughs> you you know the um that's the whole science versus religion thing is also brought up in this uh in this arc with it is yeah the witch and the priest of the village oh, yeah. that they go to protect uh the trolls from or not just them but like lady fernice is from you know she's coming off the conviction arc where she she's from the holy see yeah she abandoned the holy see to follow the black swordsman and accept following in his footsteps as her fate now that she's the veil has been lifted and she's seen that like actually there's a lot of shit she doesn't understand fairies and monsters and shit and she's trying wild. to yeah she's putting her faith in in the things that she can more see now uh, yeah. i like her by the way uh i do think that her two issue story with serpico is yeah. some of the best best writing in, in berserk so yeah. far yeah. it's just it's so elegantly done I, th I thought that was really really good stuff um and it really adds a dimension to her character by the way by not making her better but actually making her worse but somehow right. more human at the same time yeah because she's basically a, ne a neglected noble of the most powerful family in the land and she's got this just this she's got the dog in her too you know she does she's have got the dog she's, in her. but her her dog manifests as fucking burning people alive <laughs> and uh you know forcing serpico to burn his own mother to death uh and then the fact that they 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 remain pals after that like he's still her servant that felt very japanese to me right that's something yeah. that might be a bit harder to swallow for a western audience but like uh in in japan it's just like yeah she actually she saved his life by forcing him to burn his mother yeah yeah true and that girl has so many existential crises after existential crises and, <laughs> you know but i do love the vulnerability and she's not like this super powerful she's kind of like this super vulnerable fuck up you know Whole mira uses like yeah mira uses duration to great effect in this in this thing like casca has been retarded for 10 volumes more than 10 volumes right um yeah yeah. Uh, lady lady Furness is uh she's going through her dark night of the soul and it's like it's not necessarily developing but you're just kind of seeing her in a state of confusion for volume after volume and that that temporal that time 
that we spend with her like that is kind of just as effective as trying to show character development through like metaphor or some kind of trick or whatever. Basically in Berserk, characters stay a certain way for a really long time and that imprints on your brain that that's the way they are. And then they change very slowly. So it, it, I feel like it feels more organic. Yeah, yeah, it feels very real. Like, uh-huh. you know, this person, someone's not just going to get swole overnight. You know what right. I'm saying? Or even develop that mindset to maintain that. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Kelby. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a quest to get huge, to get swole right now. And um, yeah. I was looking back at, so it's been a long process for me. And I finally got over the major hurdle that always set me back, which was being able to eat because I fucked my stomach up doing drugs like a long time ago and uh, like tore holes in my stomach and everything. And like it it was really hard to even just eat much. Um, But I got to a point where I can like I can keep food down like on a mat like I can eat more. I can make myself eat more. So now I'm, I'm over that hurdle. And now I'm into the like, okay, I'm kind of on a normal person playing field now. So let's build up. And I looked back at a picture I took a month ago to kind of start charting my process and everything. And to now I'm like, you know what? I'm actually seeing it. So let's, let's go. But it is that slow. It was like a month ago and I'm just seeing a little bit of progress. I'm like, but okay. And that, yeah, that's, you know, that's a lot of what is going on with this. It's this organic development. Um, and, you know, bring up, bringing up Lady Furness and her like sort of slow growth. Uh, when she, she's caring for Casca, that's what she's tasked with, right? Like she wants to follow the Black Swordsman. And so uh, Guts is like, okay, yeah. You can watch my retarded wife because I'm a danger to her and I need somebody to I want to bite her tits off. I want I wanna I wanna just wanna fuck her so bad that I just want to bite her tits off. <laughs> um, the dog and me comes out. <laughs> and, uh, so he uh uh so she's tasked with keeping an eye on her at all times, not letting her get away and shit. And she sees it for the longest time as retribution it's like you know she was the bitch who wanted to burn her at the stake you know she was leading that crusade to burn all the witches and she threw her in in that group um so she kind of sees this as her as, as like retribution but then when they're in the den of trolls and she feels instead of like being overwhelmed whatever she goes after the trolls with the dagger being like back the fuck off a casco like i'm gonna i'm her protector she's like no wait are you is this retribution or is this my redemption like now i have something to care for um that gives me a a a purpose it's it's not a punishment it's purpose and that that also felt like very parental to me where it's like, you can feel, you can feel like, you know, this, this little thing is like, man, fuck, this is punishment for all the years. I was terrible to my parents and blah, blah, blah. That's like, 
or is this your redemption story it's like all the shit all the fucked up shit you've done you know being reckless and whatever and destroying yourself it's like when now you have a reason to live in this little person Mm -hmm. that is one of the most profound things ever said on this show i think straight up i'm not even joking because that's an idea that i've never thought of that i think is really good for people to sit with so i'll repeat what kelby said when you do bad shit in your life the urge is to punish others or yourself for the things that you do when in actuality the things that you pursue as punishment are actually a distraction from how you you legitimately overcome those things which is by finding a purpose right in a weird way like you 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 have to accept the hate right because punishment is an attempt to absolve yourself of your sins but that that ain't it that's not the way to do it no you just have to live with those sins right those sins don't go away but the harder thing to do is to find purpose and in a weird way the punishment angle or the destroying yourself angle is actually the the bitch move in that because then you get to kill yourself and flame out and you don't have to be you don't have to accept the punishment for what you've done anymore but the real man way to do it is to live with your past every day and accept that in tandem with an actual purpose, how you can actually do good. Yeah. I mean, it's a great message. I mean, old girl definitely has some big ovaries for uh, <laughs> taking that sense of responsibility on, especially with all the fucked up shit she's witnessed and did, you know, willingly. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't usually acknowledge it on this show, but I'm gonna just say Miura does the feminist thing right. Like if you want you want to write some badass female characters, get into Berserk. Cause I'm completely on board. They're not for one, they're sexed up than a motherfucker. He doesn't yeah. take he doesn't take away their feminine. My man loves titties. He loves, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's that's crucial. Some Why beautiful. Would... But, crucial. By the way, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's a scene in the in the witch's uh, safe space in the woods, like in that beautiful tree house thing, where uh, Furness and Casca are taking a bath, and there's literally a panel <laughs> that's just like Casca's ass bubbling up out of the water, and you know that that's just like that's just him being like, hey, by the way, and you know what? I appreciated it. It looked good. Yeah, it it too. Cool. You know, the little scoundrel boy was trying to get a little peek <laughs> yeah. too. He was, he was like, trying, hey. he was trying to get a peek and they strung his ass up. But like, yeah. <laughs> but like I, I was Isidro in that. I'm like, okay, we can go yeah. on with this for a few more pages, whatever. I'm not, uh, I know that it's all animated. These aren't real, but I'm also a monkey who responds to certain <laughs> lines and angles. <laughs> it's changing. Like, yeah. it <laughs> We're only human at the end of the day. <laughs> We're only you know human. So I was you're like, a, you know, you're a Monchichi. I'm a Monchichi. That's right. <laughs> that's what Puck calls uh, uh, Isidro because the witch turns him into a monkey, and the the elf starts calling him Monchichi. 
but um anyway sorry sorry to interrupt but yeah no that's just uh the casket does look good and that like they, they don't shy away from it you know she's not always like in a cloak in fact she's very often and i think that that's supposed to make us in a weird way like sympathize with guts and his like rape fantasies he's kind of like oh man i want to bite her tits off and you know just like i don't know okay so i'm married right kelby's married grant is not married but he fucks grant fucks yeah Yeah. but like (laughs) yeah (laughs) whenever the whenever the dog comes out in guts and he like he's imagining like biting her tits off and then he comes to and he's like actually bitten her titty have y'all ever just like been like i want to bite this shit as hard as i can like i you don't do it okay you don't actually bite the titty (laughs) that hard but you ever just like looked at it and be like, I want to fucking just like rip this shit off. Cause I yeah. have, I'll be yeah. real. I have. Yeah. I have too, to be honest. I mean, I feel like the, the dog comes out in you and you just kind of like, you get that vision in your head or that urge. It's like, what if I just go all the way with the fuck in, you know, mm-hmm. then you can't cause you know. cuz you'd actually be hurting the person. Right. So like, yeah. so you, you, so you pull back, but like, I definitely this weekend, you know, we had the hotel and we were just like, it was like sex fest, sex fest 2022. <laughs> and there were some times where I'm just like, I want to just like throw you into the wall, like <laughs> put your head through the drywall. You know what I mean? Oh, but it's yeah. love. It's not like, it's not hate. It's hard to describe, right? It's just, it's just it's lust, like the passion you know? and the lust. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. It rises up. Like, I don't actually want you to be injured, but I it's do like want to put your face armor, through the drywall. You yep. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I want to reenact some scenes from Black Gypsies on your ass. <laughs> Bro, I had the Black Gypsy scene going on. Oh man. Oh good. So great. Good. So so Happy great to be to be to be a parent and uh have your kid dropped off with grandma because like you you just you get in the zone. The fuck that, are we talking about? Uh <laughs> women. And actually, oh, um, actually, lar- largely, largely, I'm not a fan, but we can keep talking about women. That's a lot of, <laughs> well, a lot of how I connected, and maybe that keeps this on a on a male, like you know, I don't know, I don't know how yeah, you calling this shit feminist makes me like it makes me like berserk less when you call it feminist. Well, I, and I'm like, maybe, like, is this is that just how the female characters speak more to the male audience? Is like damn okay i relate to this i relate to being horny and then mm. when they get have their dark night of the soul you're along with it i'm like i i feel what lady Furness is feeling here like yeah, yeah i can yeah, yeah, yeah you do yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. i think what you're saying and what's really interesting is that if you're a man who's writing a masculine piece of fiction the way to be quote-unquote feminist is is to not deny your masculine impulses right is to is to to be the other with a capital o and be like i don't i don't get women i'm not a woman i understand my perception of women and i'm not going like you know he doesn't do crazy shit like you know have them run around in bikinis and shit like that which is tight like that's cool in its own way kind of like yeah, Bor- boris vallejo no. style but it's, it's like yes, it's, 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 it's never it's, that no go ahead I was just going to say, like, he's not a simp, right? Like a lot of these writers we see now who are like, yeah. I just want to hear about the female experience. Kentaro Miura is like, I don't, I don't want to hear about the female experience because I don't, 
I don't understand it, but what I do understand is people and how people act. And it's, it's feminist in the way that he, he doesn't pull any punches with the sexualization, like Kelby was saying, but he also just kind of recognizes them as people, which is to be honest, bro, that's like, that's the best I think you can hope for with a male writer, vice versa for females, like writing men. It's like, yeah. you, you don't get us. You'll never get us. Uh, <laughs> you won't get us because we're, because we're too simple. We're too simple. Yeah. You'll be uh, looking too deep and it's like, I swear to yeah. God, I'm retarded. Like, yeah. yeah. But yeah. if you're writing about real life, like the way that, people would react in real life it suddenly becomes you know a female supremacy or male supremacy whatever right like it, it becomes sympathetic because you're you're treating them as people so it's it's this somewhat counterintuitive idea that by you know really leaning into the male gaze you get a truer picture of at least our perception of females than if we yeah. were like, she's like in the hunger games and she's a badass and she can fight. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Bunch of these writers do this shit, right? Like all these kind of simp writers, you know, they're like my lead character is a woman. And I'm like, okay, that sounds bad. That's that immediately <laughs> sounds bad to me. That immediately sounds bad to me. Uh <laughs> You don't see that very often, right? With women where they're like, you know, my main character is a guy. Otessa Moshfei is the best at this. And she is the best at it, but she but she does the same thing. She does yes. the same thing. Yes. They don't she feel treats necessarily. Yeah. No, she treats them as people. I think she is a representation of the inverse of that because she because her her dudes feel a little gay. Like even oh, when they're so, not well, in, like in, in, in Maglu, super gay, but yeah, 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 yeah. Because they literally are, but, yeah, yeah. um, but it's, uh, they feel like people, even though they feel a little alien as a dude reading some of them, I'm like, <laughs> kind of dude acts like this, but, yeah. uh, but they do feel like people. Mm-hmm. So focus on making your characters people, excuse me, people first, and then you just like if you make them people and you develop them as characters the the humanity kind of comes secondary right the reader inserts the humanity into this human character but if you come out and you're like this is my character he's a guy but he doesn't have a dick and he's fucking stupid and he doesn't he's the guy from the king of queens and his wife is the the smartest person in the room it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, people might like that, but it, it doesn't feel real. And then conversely, it's like, I have a female character and she is a badass warrior goddess. It's like, no, she's not. <laughs> Shut up. Well, it talks no. down to the men, you know. That might be that might be something that sells if you're selling to 14-year-old girls who need that in their lives, which is why it should exist. Written by women, by women not by men it comes off as weird right like we're going to be the ambassador for you it's like no you just write characters with all their fucked up flaws and whatever like write someone uh, who's human you know yeah right exactly exactly 
I don't know. I mean, I, I sound like I'm contradicting myself, right? Because on the one hand, I think appropriation is great and people should write whatever they want, but it's just kind of like cynical. I think that white people, here's what I'm trying to say. I feel like white people, white men in particular, have, literally do have a colonizing mindset for everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And when they see something trending, whether that's gay people or trans people or women or whatever, they want to consume and own that thing. And I think that they do it through their art, right? Versus somebody like me, who I have no urge to do that. Uh, I, I build up a defensive wall uh, by saying, you know, kind of heinous offensive shit to, to, to keep people thinking that I'm like a certain kind of way. Meanwhile, I try to write like real characters. Does any of that make sense? Or was that the, like the craziest rant yeah, ever? Actually, I'm gonna no, 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 yeah. no. You're saying that like, like, no, actually cultural appropriation is good and it's in the top five like, main messages of this show. Yeah, but right. um, you, your characters got to be human. Yes. They got to be yes. human. And you can tell when the author does not respect the humanity of whatever class of people, uh, women, a different race than them like whenever you have this sort of ambassador uh stance you're taking and writing this two-dimensional uh just bland bad at like uh, like unrealistic when you de-sex the woman to make her like just like the dudes who can like rip off this monster's head with her bare hands and it's like how why because she's a woman like and she's strong like i don't, I don't yeah and or like the you know never never write anything negative about mexican cartels because that's racist and never uh do like uh you know you know the the black guy in the horror story he's gonna he's going to be the smartest person who saves the the day at the end or whatever which those are man now i'm trying now i'm going on a wild rant Help. no i mean i i get what you guys are saying because i feel like there's a line where you have to find the humanity in your characters and if you can't you should pretty much abandon ship because i feel like personally i'll write other races i'll have some gay characters but there are certain things where i'll really sit down and try to think about it like could i write a gender fluid character technically yeah but i don't i respect it but i don't understand understand it on a deep enough level to kind of like write it in a way that gives it justice so i'm not going to even bother trying to do that because i'm just gonna fall face first you know oh you know what the way to do it is actually the way miura writes women is to acknowledge that you don't understand and to just yeah. but to respect to do it respectfully to be like you know these uh women like the women that miura writes um often if they're maternal I mean, maybe he really loved his mother because a lot of moms, you know, moms get a lot of love for the most part in this story. Um, children, you know, he 
he keeps uh, sort of pure and broken in this like you know really broken world that leaves a lot of the children as orphans and whatever um but still with a sense of innocence and everything and women he has this like you know he's like i uh i think they're hot i don't really understand the mind of a woman um but i you know, they're gonna, like, they're people too. They're written as people. They go on deep journeys of the soul, just like any of the characters, just like guts. I mean, just like the main characters. But yeah, it's like, it's like you didn't do your research, right? Is what you're saying. It's like you got to do your research. If you're going to have a trans character in your book, the way yeah. that Kelby and I write black people, the reason why is because we've been surrounded by black people our whole lives. No, I'm, I'm black so i can do that right kelby's yeah. black i'm not black but like my dad's black and my sister's black and my my friends are black you know what i mean so like if i'm writing a black person i feel like i have a good enough grip on it through being around it through osmosis yeah, it's like you're immersed in that culture so. yeah you're immersed in it and it's kind of like i don't know i feel like Kelby nailed it when he said that you have to acknowledge the difference, which is the beauty of having, you know, characters in Silence of the Lambs, like Buffalo Bill, who's a weird trans drag queen guy who wants to cut his dick off. That is the perfect example of a movie that does not understand trans people at all, but is acknowledging that and using that energy. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And Berserk yeah. is good at that too. Like Kelby was saying, I'm not going to just repeat everything that he said, but I really do think that that's the key is that if stylistically you acknowledge that this is a thing that's outside of you that you find fascinating, you don't understand, but you, you want to include it because you think it's so interesting. You have to somehow stylistically acknowledge that rather than just being a, a series of academic talking points in the form of a novel. So Berserk, uh, it's a good book. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, um okay so this is uh this is like isidro's greatest moment so far like he was mm -hmm. introduced in the conviction arc as a funny little rascal to shake things up kind of how you know puck was first introduced to lighten the mood or whatever um this Man, I and, and this actually sounds lame for me, like on me, it sounds less cool. But if I'm being real honest with myself, uh, I relate a lot to Isidro, how I'm always like, you know, guts is so me like uh, mm -hmm. I've really felt Isidro in this in this arc because he's even even lower than guts on the scale. He's he's poor orphaned which i came up poor i did not come up orphaned but uh you know he's little and frail he's always hungry he's a tiny little kid and he has this insane ambition to be uh and i think i love the panel where it says it has like the isidro's daydream and it's showing that his ambition is to become the greatest swordsman ever and in parentheses it says for now like because it's like he has this ambition that he doesn't exactly know towards what yet but he knows he's going to be the greatest something and nothing's going to stop him 
even though he's like you know 80 pounds soaking wet and the the best he can do is throw rocks at people like uh yeah <laughs> but he's pursuing you know he's chasing after the best and especially once guts grants him sort of gives him that liberty and that confidence to pursue where he's at right now like bro fuck it like fight now get on that battlefield now what are you gonna do like wait till you're like some master at it you got to work with what you got then he he goes in like he he takes he takes heed to that advice and he's going all in and i feel uh like that's where i'm at right now and like like i am guts taking care of the family and everything and having to like you know learn how to swing the sword and fight the demons at night because you know i gotta you know take care of business like during the day i gotta take care of business i gotta do what i gotta do I got responsibilities and shit and i gotta fight these demons at night because i'm still coming for griffith's throat like but i also feel a lot like a cedro in that mo- it's like i'm doing what i can with what i've got with like wild ambition that cannot be stopped and it's like you like from a lot of people uh on a similar path like with other you know other creatively ambitious people could be looking at me like bro shut up (laughs) like you're 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 insane like they look at me with like how old I am or with what I've done so far which is I've accomplished a lot but still in the scope of things it could be like you know nah bro you are like shooting for the stars with a slingshot and I'm like yeah yeah I am and I'm gonna hit one of those fucking stars with my slingshot bitch yeah yeah I mean, his ambition is admirable. I mean, I do fuck with him because he's just kind of like, everyone's like, you're so skinny, you're so small, but he's scrappy. He actually comes through when it counts, you know, fucking up trolls or fucking up that pirate, you know. Um, I don't know if that chapter is too far ahead. I may be off. Uh, Yeah, we haven't gotten to the pirate yet. Oh, shit. Well... Sorry, guys. God damn it! <laughs> damn, you spoiled it. He fucks up the pirate. <laughs> At least it was a mini, a micro spoiler. <laughs> but he fucked that troll up when he listens to. He has guts, guts his advice in his head. How he's telling him, like, look, you need to go low, like, and you need to, yeah. but you got to switch it up because you know your enemies are going to catch on to your technique, whatever. But like, yeah, yeah he's yeah. running after that king troll with his like dagger and he's like got guts his voice repeating in his head and then does that little tuck and roll dagger stab like that was badass you know i feel like the the witch girl was low-key impressed by that too she was kind of like oh i see you you know so (laughs) i like how that little elf uh, the witch's elf was like, this is going to go to his head immediately. And oh, yeah. They, yeah. They, they make it out and he's reenacting like slash in the air and everything. <laughs> She's like, yep, it's already gone to his head. That's good uh, comic relief for all the serious shit. One other thing I want to bring up uh, that I really liked philosophically was when Guts is talking to the witch. Shir- Shirka? Shirka? 
Yeah, do it, Shrika. Yeah, Shrika, Shrika. Yeah. Uh, there's a point where she is saying, you know, my the the witch who trained her sent her on this mission, but she doesn't feel ready. She doesn't want to do it. And Guts is just like, so then quit. I actually uh, I screenshotted this panel. He's like, so quit. It's like, first of all, why would you be doing something for somebody else that you don't want to do? Secondly, if you don't feel like you can do it, then don't do it. And she was like, oh, but, you know, uh, duty and, you know, I have to. He's like, no, quit. Just stop. It's like, we don't we don't need you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. So you figure your own shit out. And I thought that that was really not only good reverse psychology, but actually just good advice for life in general. Like there's yeah. no shame in just quitting if if you don't want to do something. Like Kelby and I and Grant, we do this because we want to. Yeah. As soon as agitator becomes not fun to do anymore, I think we'll, we'd both fold it. We'd be like, nah, yeah, we're good. I'm done talking about this shit. But we show up every week because there's a, a drive to to make something cool and to talk about art that invigorates us. like i walk away from these conversations every time feeling like okay i'm gonna write a whole ass book after having that conversation but if that went away and i was just kind of showing up and i didn't really like it quit just stop yeah. doing it like why are yeah. you doing this i see writers do this all the time online they, they do nothing but complain it's like well then just stop go do something else you might writing might not be for you yeah yeah, if it's that painstaking and you hate it so much, don't do it. If you're passionate about it, do it. I like how real Guts is because he's like, I'm not going to do this shit and swing this big ass sword around, you know, for no reason. So, you know, I respect it. Closing thoughts and favorite fight scenes in this arc. Gotta think a second. I think all of all of volume twenty-five where they're fighting the trolls uh away from the church, that was just so well paced. And the monsters kept coming. It was like this onslaught of trolls, and then all of a sudden there's a fucking ogre. And then, yeah. not just that, there's a Kelpie that comes out of the water. Oh, and yeah, is, the Kelpie. And it's fighting them with water magic. And it's like, Jesus Christ. And it's like this biblical climax like of mm. this massive flood comes, which actually the flood is brought on as their salvation. The flood comes yeah. and destroys their homes, but that's what carries the, the trolls away. And that's actually what shrika summons through being possessed by the water elemental she brings the flood that destroys everything but it's what saves them from the trolls so i thought that was like a really like one it was a fucking long badass very well executed yeah like like volume long fight scene that was also like a really deep metaphor for something where like sometimes 
your what you perceive as your destruction might actually be your salvation yeah yeah that's a good good way to put it because it is a badass chapter good ass extended fight scene because i'm always constantly impressed and also wondering you know how are they going to keep this up in terms of the boss battles per se you know a lot of writers can't you know maintain that momentum or that consistency or more so the consistency for me is one of the best points of berserk in general where it's kind of like okay you know guts is gonna fuck up these trolls but then it's like bam here's a big ass ogre and it feels real you know it doesn't feel like forced or this wouldn't happen it all feels very plausible within this world and its constructs you know Mm -hmm. um and it's just kind of like bam here's the what the hell is the thing the kelpie comes Mm -hmm. out you know there's more trolls like the whole team has to work together as a unit to overcome it you know it's not just guts always saving everyone's ass it's everybody you know but yeah that was a amazing chapter would you say your favorite fight scene as well or Probably because I'm trying to think back because uh, certain things kind of mesh together. I don't want to spoil. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I read all yeah. these. When David said he got up to volume 24, I was like, so which one is that? Because, you know, I read all this. On yeah, because I think about like the Demon King, you know, the assassins with the Kushkins and whatever, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, all that's pretty badass. All the little subplots. It's just so well oh. done. I just fucking love it. You know, bro, the two big dudes with like the, the, they have like foreheads for knuckles, basically. Oh yeah. <laughs> just like obliterate people with one punch. Those dudes are fucking crazy. Yeah. That shit was crazy, you know, but great, great arc in general i know we only covered a portion of it but not having read the part that you guys are talking about uh so i might revise this but my favorite is actually the fight between guts and zod at the very beginning oh yeah oh that is a good ass fight i love i love that they're in the snow surrounded by you know these these rapier swords that indicate all the dead band of the hawk and it's a very like poetic little fight and the fact that uh, Zod tries to pull a sword out of the ground and hit Guts with it like as an extra weapon and Guts dodges and uses his foot to lift a rapier up into Zod's abdomen I thought that was just a really well directed well conceived fight scene yeah I, I, I thought that was great so that's the one for me or this, or you know, it's 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 funny that he's fighting snowmen at the beginning too. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. the snowman scene is cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I really liked the the mud protectors of the the witch's mansion too. Yeah, those are yeah, good like our the, 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 the golems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a little guy inside of them that you have to kill. Um, well, okay, cool. Black Gypsies comes out uh, 11 days 15th. from now. And uh, 
while you're at it, you might as well pick up The Ghosts of East Baltimore by David Simmons. Yeah. Like pick them up yeah. as a group. Pick up these two books as a as a as a as a complimentary group and have yeah. yourself a nice couple evenings of weird and gritty crime fiction. I'm very excited about these books. I'm very honored that that Grant stuck around as long as he did. I'm honored to put out Black Gypsies. I think it's a great book. And uh, just thank you, man. Thanks for thanks for being you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, vice versa. I do feel honored. I've always wanted to be a part of Broken River books, even though I've been kind of like, if Broken River was Wu-Tang, I'm like an associate. But now mm-hmm. I've officially been inducted, initiated into yeah. BRB. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to yeah. pop my no. chains one of these days. The chain thing is a really good idea. David Simmons brought this up of like getting BRB chains. Yeah. And I actually think that's kind of a cool idea. I'm not going to do it because I'm 35 years old and white. (laughs) So I would look retarded in a, in a chain, in a broken river chain, but like, but y'all, y'all should do it. Yeah. 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 By the the time I'm 35, I should be able to afford one. uh, Cause I'm a probably put like 10 K in that hoe. Oh. Yeah, I'm aiming to have sixty nine million dollars at four hundred and twenty thousand, right? That's my bank account balance. Sixty nine twenty four. That's what I'm trying to have. What? It's coming. Sixty nine four twenty. Yeah, yeah, sixty nine million four hundred twenty thousand. That's that's yeah. the goal, and then I can be like, okay, I'm good now. They're gonna say, remember episode whatever of agitator he mm-hmm. said he said it was going to happen and he, did. he said it was going to happen and he did it it's crazy so, oh, yeah. all right berserk everybody read it uh uh and, it's you know, it's the bible it's words to live by yep you have to read it i feel like if you're a man you know yeah especially if you're a man for sure yep if you're a female, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they they saw pictures of me on IG. They heard I was single. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. That'll do it. Bye, Black right. Gypsies. Bye, Black Bye. Gypsies. Ghosts of East Bye. Baltimore. Run it up. Black Illuminati. Hey, everybody. It's JDO. What follows is a heavily truncated version of a 30-minute conversation that myself, Kelby, and Grant had about some recent goings-on in the writing world, and I decided to cut it down to a Kelby Losack shit talk supercut. Originally, I went back and forth about how to present this. I stayed up all night working on this, but after calling a friend of mine who gave a little bit of legal advice, I decided that it's probably in, this is a rare case for agitator because we do uh, privilege, you know, just letting the shit fly and seeing where it lands. But considering some things that have gone on in the literary world with people getting litigious and stuff like that, I think that, you know, having three buddies kind of joking around and airing out shit, just really could be something that comes back to bite us on the ass. So I asked Kelby 
about all this and kelby of course was like no fuck that like we gotta post this shit and i kind of explained to him all the reasons why which i won't get into here i won't bore you with all that shit but uh you know like when i told him he's pretty pissed off and he has every right to be like if this if this was uh heathenish radio you'd probably get it in its full unedited form and you know that's what we love about kelby that's what i love about kelby he's fearless he's uh he's crazy um but i don't know there's there's a lot of stuff that i really just can't talk about and uh just have to trust me that i have good reasons outside of you know just not wanting the smoke which is the the title of this little two minute super cut I'm, I'm calling it you don't want the smoke oh and by the way i cut this uh you don't want the smoke super cut with kelby's permission because i told him i'm like bro you got some gold in there uh do you want me to just put the shit talk in and he said yeah and i was like even if it makes you sound crazy and he was like yeah like especially if it makes me sound crazy so i love you buddy i'm sorry i had to do this but here you go like you want to air some shit out we got fucking we got ammunition for days dog i got it hanging off i got a banana clip in this bitch that's why i'm not like uh, that's why i'm not super worried extendos yeah i I extendo mags but like his whole thing is just like much more uh i don't know just like holistically shitty you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah, really, calls you're your whole liar, identity bro. into question you're a liar bro you're i know your daddy i know where you live you don't <laughs> want this fucking smoke dog <laughs> <gasps> <gasps> calling people out shit yeah here's my thing bitch i'll call your ass out you ain't from the hood dog like fuck you and your poor poverty exploitation bullshit dog you know why we got beef why we got personal beef you and me like david don't count in this he ain't got no animosity but fuck you fuck you forever because you don't come to me and look me in the eye like we're fucking brothers we're cut from the same cloth no you your pompous bitch ass ass like is not anywhere near in the league of where i come from bitch and if my name you know i'm the best fucking writer you ever read and if my name ain't coming out your mouth talking in these magazines and shit then you know what you suck a dick like and you don't want any other smoke that i'm gonna send your way either so don't even fucking try i wish we had a mic drop for that because i'm like that's uh first time i really heard kelby's accent come out strong yeah before. kelby kelby got really uh <laughs>